Hello and welcome into Four Down Territory. I'm Kyle Madsen. I'm the managing editor of NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. As always, alongside me, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of the Touchdown Wire, TouchdownWire.com, also part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. What's up? I cannot believe the regular season's over, dude. I know. It's crazy. I hate week week 18's weird. I think if if your team doesn't have anything to play for, there just shouldn't be a game. I agree with that. That's my take. Well, you watch the first quarter, then you go out and, you know, to the farmer's market or antiquing or out to brunch or whatever you do. I literally, I literally, during, during uh, part of the morning games yesterday, I got a record player for Christmas and I went down to a local thrift store and I dug through some vinyls and I got, got a few vinyls for, for, for cheap and then, you know, rewatch what I need to rewatch later. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how I feel about week 18 games. I'm all about antiquing. You wouldn't think so, but all the stuff back here. Most of it came from my, yeah. my gonna, favorite my favorite thing is the Hall of Fame liquor decanter from nineteen seventy-two. Right next to the uh snake venom cola can. Oh and that's the, incredible. You, you notice the Montana de Clark, the figurine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Cowboys bobblehead I got uh this year is two tall Jones falling down on that play. Wow. That's just my script that I have in my head. But yeah, anyway, I really went. <laughs> I, w- I went somewhere else there. Anyway, let's let's talk some football. Kyle. <laughs> wow! Yes, <laughs> I, I thought we were getting a full blown rundown of your bookshelf. I was here for it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's uh, let's dive into first down. Yeah. Which wild card team of the six should be taken most seriously for a Super Bowl run? That's super wild card week. Um, oh yeah. I, sorry. I, super wild card week. Super wild. A couple of years ago. Okay. Well, super. Well, now it's super. I almost went with the Packers here, but I cannot take their defense seriously under Joe Barry, no matter how amazing Jordan Love is. And Jordan Love might be like the second or third best quarterback in the NFL right now. He's just man, he's really good. Oh, the dimes he's throwing to Jaden Reed. Uh, so yeah, the Cowboys are the obvious answer. But Mike McCarthy is going to do Mike McCarthy things at the worst possible time. He cannot help himself, especially with playing the Packers, and he's going to get in over his skis and kind of. Yeah. So I'm going way off the grid here, Kyle. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. They have the NFL's second-best defense behind only the Ravens in games that are to be taken seriously, which does not count the regular season finale. And Joe Flacco is doing things we never thought he'd do. This sounds nuts, but the playoffs are so much about momentum and belief, and right now the Browns just have it. Yes, Flacco will make a few head-scratching throws, and he could turn into a pumpkin. This, this whole thing could deflate at any moment. But if it doesn't, he's on point in this offense under Kevin Stefanski. And everyone in that locker room totally believes he can get it done. I mean, you see those locker room clips, and they are in. They are, like, burning for this guy to do it. Yeah. Uh, the only bummer is the Browns are facing the Texans in the wild card round, which means that one of these teams will be eliminated, and I would love to watch both of them uh, for more than one yeah. more game. And the Texans would be the other team I'd say you better watch out for because C.J. Stroud is a ball placement alien, and that can take you a long way. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, the two dangerous teams, but because their defense has been so good all year, um, and Jim Schwartz has done such a marvelous job, uh, you know, if we're talking about teams that aren't obvious, I would go with the Browns because you have the deep passing game and you have a great defense. I mean, mm-hmm. in those single elimination games, you can go a long way with that. Yeah, yeah, more a little bit more on that Browns Texans game coming up in a bit. It's the Rams for me. Uh, they're basically coming off a bye in week 18. They rested Matthew Stafford. They rested Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones, Kyron Williams, 
Puka Nakua played into the third quarter, but it was just to get his four catches and his and his 28 yards to set yes. those rookie records. He got out as soon as the records were set. So they get a first-time playoff team in Detroit. And it's Matthew Stafford going back against his old team. That environment's going to be nuts. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about that. But this is a this is a Rams team and a coaching staff that's been there before. It's a yep. quarterback who's been there before. They have a leadership crew with with Donald and Cup who have been there before. I don't think the Rams are going to necessarily be overwhelmed by the moment. Okay, no. so in that event, you're likely looking at a Rams 49ers divisional playoff game, and I don't love that for the Rams, but it's a divisional game. It'll be the third time they're seeing the 49ers this year. Things get a little weird then, and then you're probably seeing a Rams Cowboys NFC title game, and Sean McVay is running circles around Mike McCarthy oh, in that God. matchup. So. Like the path, the path is there for the Rams. You get Matthew Stafford, who's been playing out of his mind right now, or or this season. It's Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup as the top two receivers. They are both uh, excellent and going to be a really, really tough matchup for any playoff team that they're going to face. I mean, even a team like the Browns or the Ravens. I think they hung up thirty-one on the Ravens yeah. uh, when they played them a couple weeks ago. Uh, and Kyron Williams is as good as any back in the league right Their now. Their run so. game is so interesting, and no one talks about it because it's a passing game and you know Aaron Donald. Their run game, it, it, it's a lot of gaps, it's a lot of multiple schemes. I mean, Sean McVay has done a bri- – and Matt LaFleur, it's such a brilliant job. Yeah. Or Mike LaFleur, excuse me. Um, confusing my LaFleurs on Monday morning. <laughs> such a brilliant job in redefining that offense, especially with uh, Eddie Van Halen doppelganger Puka Nakua. I can't – every time I see him, I'm like – I can't unsee it. I get the tapping intro to Mean Street in my head, which is always a good thing. Uh, nothing wrong with yeah. that. Uh, by the way, Kobe Turner, the second-round defensive tackle for Wake Forest, might mm-hmm. be defensive. He has more total pressures than Jalen Carter. Hello. He's a beast, dude. Yes, he is. And he, he reminds me of Geno Atkins, who was also a middle-round guy. Mm-hmm. He just messed you up. Um, very yeah. impressive. So um, I think uh, Ernest Jones is great. Their linebackers are a little light. Corners are a little light. Safety, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I like the Texans. They're a year away on defense, but again, these these single elimination games, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, I I say you have to take the Rams seriously without question. Yeah, no doubt. Let's move to second down and, and flip that coin. Which wild card team should not, in any scenario, be taken seriously? Uh, I'm just making sure. Oh, Kobe Turner was a third round pick, not a second round pick. I'm correcting myself. Live on the air. How exciting is that? Uh, so at least seriously, the Eagles, <laughs> I don't even know what to oh say boy. here. Well, actually I have a lot to say here. <laughs> Let's start with the Eagles use of pre-snap motion. You know how I feel about that, Kyle, uh, because they don't use it. They've had pre-snap motion on 26% of their offensive snaps this season for sports info solutions, lowest in the NFL, but they're 10th in offensive su- success That's rate. When they do use raising. AJ Brown, well, you, I mean, you know how much Kyle loves it. Jeez. Uh, AJ Brown has been on a milk cart in the second half of the season uh, with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, they've called design rollouts on 2% of their offensive plays. Think about that. I don't get it. When Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, design rollouts on 2% of your offensive plays. But Doesn't fourth, make sense. They're 14th in success rate when they do. This is an unserious offense. And they're not adapting. They're not changing. They're not figuring anything out. It's just, it's, it's just mess after mess after mess. Now, let's get to the defense, which is even worse especially the defense since week 15 when Matt Patricia became the defensive play caller. Not that it's all Patricia's fault, but they're doing two things a lot more recently, a lot more man coverage, which they're not, not good at. And as we always say here at Fort on Territory, don't play man if you can't play man. 
and a lot more single high coverage, which they're really not good at. Under Patricia, the Eagles ranked dead last in defensive success rate with middle of the field closed coverage, which means single high. And they've done that 29% of the time. They've blitzed on 20% of their snaps under Patricia and they're 28th in defensive success rate when doing so. So pretty much everything is not working. Overall, the Eagles have dropped from second in DVOA in 2022 in their Super Bowl run to 14th in 2023. And you talk about brain drain when a team gets hot and then they lose their assistant coaches. And the losses of Shane Steichen and, and Jonathan Gennett are clearly affecting this team. There's nothing they do really well on either side of the ball. And this team started the season 10-1 and one before dropping five of their last six games. Maybe they get past the Buccaneers in the wild card round, but if Baker's feeling dangerous, maybe they don't. And I have no confidence in the Eagles' ability to make any serious noise in the postseason. And by the way, if they get dropped in the wild card round and they lose five of the last six, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm looking around. I got my head on a swivel because uh, yeah. Jeff Lurie, the owner, he fired Doug Peterson not long after Doug Peterson won him a Super Bowl. Nothing is guaranteed yeah. in the city. So I'm just saying the Eagles had better figure something out with a quickness. Yeah. Yeah. There it's, it's so tough because they were so good. Like this time last year, they were arguably the best team in football. And then they were 10 and one to start this year. And now they are whatever they are. So I, I'm, I'm really torn on the Eagles because part of me doesn't want to punt them yet, but then you lay out a case like that. And it's very, very hard to say, yeah, I, lo I love the Eagles to go into Tampa Bay and win a game and then maybe go into San Francisco or go into Dallas and win a game. It just doesn't, it doesn't really track for me. If Baker um, has one of his hot games, they got a pretty good offensive line. Um, the, the defense is good. We're going to talk about one reason why in a minute. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's a dangerous place to be for them because they don't do anything well. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you watched right. it, you said, oh, usually you're like, oh my God, they're cratering again. Now they're doing this thing badly that they didn't do badly before. Yeah, <laughs> they're finding new ways to stink. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to pile on here, but. I think it's in right now, Eagles Bucks, I'd say is a push. And well, yeah. you, you, you're a few weeks ago. And I just told you to get the Jacksonville Jaguars out of my face. I didn't want to talk about them. Anymore. That's how I feel about the Eagles. Just get the Eagles out of wow. my face. I just, wow. I don't feel it at all. Um, wow. And it's not, you know, I don't want to sit here and just say, Oh, I don't feel it. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> the tape tells you the stats tell you, this is not a good team right now. Period. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. All right. My my pick is the Steelers, and Sorry, the, fact that they, the fact that they're yeah boy that's that's a tough look for that state on uh, four down territory. But the reality is, you know, good on Mike Tomlin for getting this team to the playoffs. That's very impressive. That's a good collection of players. I don't think that the 28th ranked scoring offense is going to go make a ton of noise in the playoffs, especially when they have to go on the road and face a, a hot Buffalo team, which is kind of the bigger deal. You add in TJ Watt nursing a knee injury, whether he plays or not is TBD. But even if he is playing, he's I've heard it's going to be, they'd, they'd have to win at least one game for him to even have a chance. So he's yeah. So yeah. So TJ Watt, TJ Watt, if he's not playing like what, I don't I don't love the Steelers' ability to go get stops against the Bills. And if they're getting in a shootout with the Bills, I don't love Mason Rudolph uh, to go air it out and and hang throw for throw with Josh Allen on, on the road in a playoff game. So 
Uh, all credit to the Steelers for getting to this point, given all the adversity they've had and the and the hurdles that they've they've had to to get over. I just don't see them going in and winning a playoff game, much less two or three. And it's because the Bills' defense has played so well in the second half of the season, despite the fact that everyone's hurt. Good on Sean kind of took over the defense. Yeah, the thing with Tom, I love Mike Tomlin, but you know he's overcome adversity again. It was an adversity of his own creation. He kept Matt Canada as his OC, despite the two and a half years, despite the fact that in all three seasons, Canada was the OC. The Steelers had a negative point differential. I think you get rid of the guy after one of those. You certainly get rid of the guy after two of those. No doubt. It took an absolute tailspin for Tomlin to finally say, okay. And you got some people in house. And, you know, I. So I get, yes. Kudos to Mike Tomlin. He keeps his non-losing season streak alive. I would say that the the issues are of Tomlin's creation as well. And, you know, I, yeah. I think the world of him as a coach and as a person, but, you know, there's some, there's some, some blame. He, he's not totally absolved of blame in the Steelers struggles over the last couple of years. And the reason they have been a super the house is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Anyways. All right, third down. Who's your secret superstar for the wild card roundup? Pro Bowl snub Antoine Winfield Jr., safety, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I feel like and I have to re- detailed here because people obviously do not know who he is. You're, you're going to go for it. I just, the fact that he's not in the Pro Bowl, arguably the best defensive back in the sport. I know every year we go, oh, this this makes the Pro Bowl irrelevant. This makes it so the Pro Bowl is null and void. This is one that really does. Yeah. It's ridiculous that he's not in the Pro this Bowl. We one didn't get to Brandon, talk about it. This one and Brandon Ayuk. The, uh, one on either, because Brandon Ayuk was like the most efficient receiver in the NFL in the regular season. So what are we yeah. doing here? Crazy. Anyways, go on, please. Antoine Winfield. Uh, this season, Winfield made a very strong case to the NFL's second best safety outside of Baltimore is Kyle Hamilton. Winfield has six sacks, 18 total pressures, 87 tackles, 26 stops, and six forced fumbles. He is the first defensive back since 2000 with six or more sacks and six or more forced fumbles in the same season. And the forced fumble he had against Panthers achiever DJ Shark on the goal line in Week 18 probably won Tampa Bay that game and saved their season. I get that we can't talk about every great defensive player, but the extent to which people have overlooked his 2023 campaign is pretty ridiculous. I will say that if he's able to put one or more playoff games together playing at this level, people will start to recognize how indispensable to Todd Bowles' defense he has become because he is the shot caller, the field tilter, the, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, he's he's good at any defensive player in the league right now. And I can't – it was, you know, we could always sit here and whine about Pro Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's <laughs> – I, I don't know how you can credibly – well, whatever. I don't want to get off on a rant. I'll just say that he's great, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Ironically, it feels like Tom Brady retiring is the reason that that, that Antoine Winfield's not getting as much uh, shine as he probably should. Probably, yeah. Because I think the Bucks just got kind of left for dead. That's a good point. Here they are as the, uh, as the number four seed. I mean, that would be worth, you know – secondary tertiary interest. I don't know. Good Baker's. Yeah. Baker's been playing well, man. He's not my secret superstar though. Uh, I'm going with Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle for the Houston Texans. Again, not necessarily a secret. People know that Laramie Tunsil is good, but in their specific wild card matchup against the Browns, I think he could play a pretty pivotal role. So there's not that many players that you feel good about like putting on an Island against miles Garrett. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, he just Trent Williams struggled with him. Like that's that's yeah. that's where Miles Garrett yeah. is at this year. But Laramie Tunsil, according to Pro Football Focus, had an 85.7 pass blocking grade. That was the highest among offensive tackles on AFC playoff teams and the third highest among offensive tackles overall with at least 550 snaps. He allowed just 20 pressures this season. And in a matchup against a very good defense, if you can, like I said, he's not going to win every rep against Miles Garrett. He's not going to shut out Miles Garrett and make Garrett irrelevant. Like J- Jim Schwartz is too good of a defensive coordinator for that. Miles Garrett individually is too good of a player for that. That's just not, that's not going to happen. But well, he also, uh, Garrett moves. Garrett has gotten pressure from every single gap. He's not just edge. Right. He's like, I think 70% edge and he'll move inside to like, you know, nose tackle and whoop your butt. Cause he's just right. Like, right. So if, even if, yeah, if Tunsil's shutting things down, they're going to, they're going to move him around and they're going <laughs> to find ways to get miles Garrett in the backfield. And that's fine. But in those matchups where they are one-on-one and where they do go against each other, if Tunsil can win those reps decisively, that, makes things a lot easier on Houston's offense. So I, I I'm looking at, you know, um, CJ Stroud is great and we'll see how he responds at his first playoff game and what he's done with, with Nico Collins and with Dalton Schultz. It's been, it's been awesome. But I think if they're going to, if they're going to beat the Browns, I think a lot of it is going to come down to how their offensive line holds up. And that to me starts a left tackle. I like Tunsil a lot. Um, I think 90% of the time he is a top 10 left tackle. Mm-hmm. The five sacks worry me because I was watching all yeah. five of them uh, aloud. Uh, I think uh, earlier this morning. And there are times when he'll just sort of lose it <laughs> and then he'll recover. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, if we're talking about your Trent Williams's and whatnot, Trent might make two mistakes a season. And Tunsil sure. is a little more up and it's kind of like with Christian Darrisaw of the Vikings, certain left tackles. It's like, they're great. They're great. They're great. And all of a sudden, you know, the elevator falls to the basement. <laughs> you don't know why yeah, yeah. And they, they figure it out, but Tunsil has had those moments and he had better not have any of those moments because it's not, you know, that whole Cleveland front. We've talked about how great that defense is under Schwartz. They will throw all kinds of stuff at you. It's stunts and it's blitzes and it's late blitzes and it's, you know, Corners blitzing from either side. It's very Steve Spagnolo-ish with the Chiefs, where it's just the whole petri dish of stuff. So it's that that whole offensive line will be challenged. No, no question about that. Yep. All right. Fourth down. Which assistant coach would you most like to get a head coaching job? Yep. Uh Black Monday, we're doing this. So that's why I threw that question there. I yep. will say Dan, Dan Quinn. Cowboys defensive coordinator took that job in 2021 after five seasons as a Falcons head coach, including, of course, the infamous 28 to 3 loss to the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. But it wasn't Quinn's fault that offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan didn't just run the damn ball as the game progressed. Sorry, Kyle. Quinn finishes Atlanta tenure with a 43 and 42 regular season record, but he was also presiding over a declining team that could never really get over that Super Bowl loss. And I know how that is because I live in Seattle. Enough said. <laughs> yep. In his three seasons in Dallas, Quinn has impressed me with his understanding of what makes modern defense go. He didn't just take the Seattle Legion of Boom stuff over, despite his time as Pete Carroll's defensive coordinator. He adapted his schemes to his personnel. And when you look at all the guys in that defense, Deron Bland and J. Ron Curse and uh, Odigazoo, all those guys, a lot of guys in that defense become stars on the field without being big names. It's pretty impressive. And Quinn, mm-hmm. I know this firsthand. Quinn is the kind of guy whose players buy in. They generally believe in him, and it's time for him to get another shot. And, you know, maybe if Mike McCarthy does enough Mike McCarthy things in the playoffs, we were talking about before, 
Quinn gets that gig. There's been talk of a handshake deal to that effect for a couple of years now. So um, I will, I, you know, I know all the hot names and Dan has been talked about a lot. I just, I think he, they're, you know, the Belichick's and the Carol's and those guys who get the second chance and they just do really well. Well, Quinn has already been to a Super Bowl. He almost won it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would like for him to get another shot. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would as well. And as for that handshake deal, we'll see how handshakey it is if Bill Belichick becomes available. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is the, that is the eight million pound elephant looming, of course. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm going chalk here. I'm going with Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator. I, I, uh, what else said that? Yeah, uh, but it, it, this is why you listen to Four Down Territory is for right. is for sneaky names like Ben Johnson. No, uh-huh. I, it just, dude. I, I know. Again, this is not news, but it's like, no, he's proven it. Plugging Ben Johnson into Atlanta mm-hmm. with the ready-made offense of Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Now you're lowering the bar for what they need out of their quarterback. I don't think Desmond Ritter's the guy. I, 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 I don't, I, you know, all due respect. Uh, whether it's a trade for Justin Fields or whether they're drafting somebody or whether they're going and signing somebody, I, I, I don't know. But the the bar gets lowered with a quarterback or with a with a play caller like Ben Johnson. As you seen from Jared Goff, Jared Goff struggled without Sean McVay. He he cooks under Sean McVay, and then he gets to go to Detroit in a in another good offense like Ben Johnson's and he looks really really good again. So I um I would love to see Ben Johnson specifically with Atlanta. I would I guess take take the Chargers, but Atlanta's the place that I want to see him end up. He's going to get a head coaching job and honestly he could probably wind up coaching wherever he would like. Uh, he'll mm-hmm. he will have his his pick of teams. So uh I I figured since he's definitely going to get a job, I would specify that I would like to see him go to Atlanta. Uh, well, in the touchdown layer mock draft, the post-regular season mock draft that went up uh, mm. last night, uh, Michael Penix Jr. would be the Falcons' new franchise quarterback. Oh, give that'd, me that. That worked pretty well. I would, be, just, I would be all in. Yeah, and a few hours away from the natty, I'd just like to say go dogs. That's all I have to Let's say. Let's end it there. Okay. That's four down territory, everybody. Uh, the regular season is over. Really looking forward to the postseason, and we'll be back after Wild Card Weekend. So please tune in then. See you, everybody. Thanks, everyone.